What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, usually I try to say let's paint a positive picture. Uh, nothing positive today, huh? Not a, not a whole lot, exactly. Not much, yeah. Not not many good things, Sean. Um, and to make matters worse, the post game press conference, I think, was even more was even more damning than. Then almost it's probably going to end up being a bigger storyline. What people are going to remember, I think, more than the games with some of the comments well, coming afterwards. I said this a few moments ago that John Calipari's time at Kentucky, Derek, he, it feels like he said the right thing ninety nine percent of the time. I think he has. Even some of the stuff that was questionable, I still think that at the root of it and at the heart of it, it was all the right thing. Even the difficult things to say. I think this year he said the wrong thing 99% of the time. He doesn't seem as focused to me. Yeah, he just doesn't seem as locked in. I don't know if it's the world right now, what all's been going on, but it's not. For a guy who's kind of like been the master, kind of always branding the program the way it needed to be, um, let's go ahead and get into those comments. Let's just do it from the top because there there are two things today that just made me laugh. and let's start – I'll go to the other thing later once we're actually talking about the game. But let's start with his comments on why Dante Allen and Jacob Toppin did not start the second half. I have them out if you, you want me to read it all. Go, if you, go not, I'm it. sure people have heard it by now. All right, so he was asked why basically Dante didn't play, start the second half, and why Toppin didn't start. And I'll start with the one that he said. He said, what you're trying to do is – no, actually, by the way, Cal included Lance Ware in this group of Toppin and 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 Allen. I don't. He just threw him in there too. I guess to make him look even worse for his decisions he was making. I don't really know why he did that. But he said, "What you're trying to do is I want to win every game I coach." But the other side of it is I'm not trying to take anyone's heart away. So you can sub them three, four minutes and go. We didn't start the half that badly, so that wasn't the case. It isn't like you're subbing quarterbacks. He played a bad quarter, so I'm going to play this other quarterback. You don't don't coach that way. He said some other things too, but that that directly contradicts what he said. That literally the very first thing he said in the press conference was, uh, "I was just subbing guys today. If you didn't fight, I was just subbing you. I was just taking you out." So, this is the clearest I think evidence yet, and we all knew it. I mean, let's be real. Anyone who watches this team knew that BJ Boston is getting the opportunities he gets because he was projected to be a first round draft pick. We all know that. We don't have to pretend, but he. Now you're reaching the point where you have this guy, John Calipari, who his whole time at Kentucky is, this isn't communism, this isn't communism, you earn everything you get. Now saying, well, I can't. He didn't say BJ by name, but what he's saying is, well, I can't take BJ out of the lineup. I mean, that might hurt his feelings if I take him out of the lineup. 
Yeah, yeah, that's it's pretty crazy. much what he said. It it makes no sense. Well, that's what I was saying too. That it, it comes back to how many times have we heard Cal say, "I can't hide you." At Kentucky. I can't hide players at Kentucky. You have to come here and perform and all this stuff. Well, B.J. Boston, he's not performing right now, Derek. I mean, the five turnovers today, still shooting. I mean, the shooting percentage is going down, which is very, very bad to say because it's not going up. I mean, it's two of nine today. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, don't feed me that BS that when it comes down to I'm going to play the guys who have earned it and the guys that are fighting because – that's not who's playing. And then this whole, I don't want to take anyone's heart away. What's it doing to Dante Allen and Jacob Toppin, the guys that are fighting? You're taking their heart away because those well, are the guys a, that are fighting for you right now. It comes back to the root. How many times have we asked, if you're not a one-and-done type player, what is your spot at Kentucky? This is affirming it. I know Cal, like, I think in Cal's mind, he's viewing this as like, man, if, if BJ's projected top five pick, if he if, – if he fails here, basically, and doesn't get picked where he's supposed to, what are other top kids going to say? I think that's probably how he sees it. Whether that's fair or not, I mean, he's got a long track record of sending guys off to the league, so I don't one but kind of bust is going to change that. But like, it, it's it's it is uh, it's horseshit, is what it is. That he's not that <laughs> that's how he's that's that's how he's going to handle this. That and this, this is not even like I've made this clear in my column while I wrote it for the game. I am not trying to tag BJ Boston. This is solely about John Calipari. I mean, BJ's out there. I mean, BJ. I mean, what well, BJ's trying to say? Well, Cal I don't puts him play. out there. Yeah, like yeah. BJ's not going to turn down playing time. Like it is what it is. Um, updated numbers, by the way, on BJ for the season. I wouldn't average it out per game. He is a four of twelve shooter per game. So he's still Ooh. on average. He's still attempting twelve shots per game, making four of them. Three is even worse. He's seven for. four. Seven for 40, I think, on the season. I actually don't yeah, have it pulled up right is. now. He's only made seven the whole season, though, from three. And then today he had the string where it was just – he became unplayable. And Cal did take him out once once he turned it over it's two straight times or whatever. Yeah, it's too late. But did you notice immediately – and this is just – maybe this is picking on BJ only slightly. But, again, it can go back to Cal. They Kentucky immediately went on a 10-2 to two run as soon as BJ yeah. went out of the game. Yeah. And right now, like I said, our criticism is not – all with B.J. Boston. Is B.J. Boston playing well? No, he's not. But it's on John Calipari for continuing to throw him out there, and it's doing it's a disservice to B.J. at this point because, I mean, it, it's not fair. I just think that it's putting him in a situation to fail. Uh, but it, why? it just doesn't uh, – why, why does he refuse to play him? Like, well, here's the thing. Like, when things weren't working – I mean? When things weren't working out with Scalabissier a few years ago, did they continue forcing it? No. No. Like, what's the difference in this? Like, what is I'm really changed? glad you brought him up because I was, I don't know if we were reading each other's minds or what, or if you just talked about it on Source to Say, but I had actually just gone and looked up Scal's numbers. And he had no problem. Like, let's, let's, let's remember that 2015 16 team, by the way. Like, not like they had loaded options down in the post. Like, no. it's not like he had a, just a stud behind him who was no problem to, to remove Scal from the game. Like, they were not very deep in that front court. No, it's, and no, it's I think I counted Marcus it up. Lee and Derek Willis. And I think That's Humphreys was on that team too, right? That's right, Humphreys. That's true. But didn't play a ton. Yeah, Lee was actually the guy I forgot about. So I think I looked it up, and it was close to 10 games. And at, once SEC play started, it was nearly half the games or, or more that Scal did not even play double minute, double figure minutes. So, yeah, that's like the best comparison because Scal was actually the number one player in the country on the composite. So he's a bigger bust than BJ's proven to be. But that that's the big question to me. What changed between Scal and BJ in these years later 
that he was okay sending a message to Scal, but he's not okay. Basically, do you think hurting. it hurts? Do you think it hurts that they had an elite that they had two elite stars on that team and Jamal Murray and Tyler Ulis, and this team has no stars that, on it? That probably, yeah, I'm sure that's part of it. I mean, that's that's a good point. Like, there's no doubt that team was much better than this team. We we all know that. I mean, hell, every team in the Calipari era is better than this well, team. And we say that that team's not is one of the you know not one of the better teams that Cal's coached, and they'd beat this team by forty. If they played them right now, and that was another thing. I didn't want to make this whole episode like a referendum of the John Calipari era. And I tweeted today that I, I really think it needs to be viewed. I mean, this is a bad year. Like it really is. It's it's worse than a bad year at Kentucky. I mean, it's an awful year to be as bad as they are at this school. Um, I don't want this. Like someone tweeted at me earlier when I tweeted about BJ and was like, "This has been trending." Like I, I disagree. Like. They have still, on average, won 28 games since the last Final Four. They've been to two Elite Eights. Like, this has still been a pretty good – I mean, a, a really good program Yeah. up until this – but now it has reached the point where the messaging is way different. I truly, in my heart, believe he is putting B.J. Boston above the good of the team. It's concerning, right? Uh, and that is very concerning to me. Uh, his, his kind of refusal – so I actually said there were two things that made me laugh. I take that back. There are actually three. The next thing I want to bring up, him saying in the post game, being a smart ass basically to the fan base who's calling for more modern offense, that I wish we would have shot 35 threes a day because we would have made three. <laughs> Cal, look yeah, at the four. stat sheet in front of you. You hit four on 17 attempts. or Yeah, I think on 17. I yeah. get it. I, I would agree with them. Yes, this is not a great shooting team. But does he prioritize shooting? In recruiting, yeah. no. Does he prioritize it on his own team? No. If he did, Dante Allen wouldn't have set out three whole games. Um, Probably had we're on national it, title too. The last thing, it. yeah. On the last thing too, that just it's along these lines talking about modern basketball. Playing Jacob Toppin, Isaiah Jackson, and Olivia Starr on the floor together is just hilarious to me. Oh. It's just so funny that that's one, like one more who's scoring out of that. I mean, like. Well, <laughs> and here's one more point too. Can you tell me why Isaiah Jackson played 11 minutes today and he didn't commit a foul? There was no foul trouble and he played 11 minutes. I know. I went to halftime and I was like, why hasn't Isaiah played? Surely he had 2,000. No, like I, I don't know. So like, where does he even play last game? And then he's like on the floor, pushing kids at the end of the game after. <laughs> like, they weren't going to win anyway, don't... but he's like flattening kids out. Uh, I just don't no. understand like what is going on with the rotation and the lineups right now and. And, Derek, it's one of those things where Kentucky fans, they go to Cal when it comes down to a, a loss, and they want to hear something that gives them hope. And right now, like, I that almost wouldn't even listen presser. to the post-game press yeah. conference. And here's and here's the other thing, too. I'm, you know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of he, – he should be a politician because he understands how to use his time and to avoid more questions. I'm tired of only getting four to five questions in a press conference. And then when it comes down to the end and he knows it's the end, he is up and out of a seat before he's finished speaking. Like, he uh, he also um, thought that the reason they lost today it was it had nothing to do with only scoring fifty nine points in a in a game. It had to do all with toughness. I mean, he was sounding like a guy straight out of thirty years ago today. I mean, I, I swear, like, yeah, they gave up offensive rebounds. Did they get every fifty fifty ball? No, but like Cal's refusal to look at the offense and say, oh, well, maybe scoring fifty nine points per game. And this is not like it's a a new thing. Like even in some of the wins, they've barely scored points i mean they have they have stayed around that 58 to like 65 point range in a lot of these games uh it's unbelievable to me how how bad but, they are and he's trying to cycle through like 
I get that he's trying to figure out the right rotations and everything, but I I, I like Jacob Toppin quite a bit, to be honest with you. I think he plays really hard. Um, but you have to be careful who you play with him because, and I told you this because, and I mean, you know, basketball well, like even I, a guy who barely, I mean, I played basketball most of my life until high school, like his skill set, Jacob Toppin is not going to be able to create a shot really for himself or for anybody else. And he's not really a shooter. So a lot of his points are going to come. I mean, you call them kind of garbage buckets, you know, at the rim, tipping things back in, he can dunk it. So putting him next to Isaiah Jackson is how easy is that to defend Sean? that kind of with that on the floor. I mean, you don't have to worry about an outside shot at all with those guys. No, and you you don't. And and two, embedded in his excuse, that's what I'm calling it right now, why Dante Allen didn't play more than eight minutes in the second half, was they were going right at him defensively. They gave up 66 points. They scored 59. Defense is not the problem. It's dumb. It's, it's putting so the thing in the basket. Like, don't hide behind that crap anymore. Like that—that's not an excuse at this point. When you score fifty-nine points def- and you give up sixty-six, oh, heck, even if you gave up eighty and you scored fifty-nine, defense isn't the excuse. The excuse right now and the reason is you can't score. Uh, yeah, I'm I, maybe, Derek. maybe we should have known it was going to be a bad day when Mintz, who is generally pretty solid player, misses two wide-open shots and then misses to two start. throws to start the game. I mean, we haven't gotten to the point that Auburn Auburn started this basketball game 14 of 15 and won the game. 14 of 15. Won the game. I mean, this, is, this was an embarrassing day for Kentucky basketball. And uh, there have been a lot more good days than bad under John Calipari. I think everybody, we'd be out of your mind uh, to disagree with that. But his – they – I become less convinced, and this is maybe in the heat of the moment. Maybe I'll come to regret what I'm about to say. I become less convinced every time out that they're actually going to be good next year. Will the players improve individually? I think so. I feel like this is more than just a talent issue, though, that's going on right now. And I don't think they're that great of a team by any means. But it's just kind of the refusal to move on to something different. I think Bruce Pearl in his post-game presser today said that Cal was still running the stuff that he ran at UMass in Memphis, which might no, not be that good yeah. of a thing anymore. No commitment to change. Like, there's just – there's no commitment to change. It goes back to the whole stubbornness thing, and it was something that I was praising after the Vandy win that Cal wasn't as stubborn by, you know, playing Dante Allen, but now you see those tendencies returning again, and it, it's a problem. I mean, it goes – I don't know. Like, just – it's just mind-blowing to me that the two guys who performed the best in the first half took more than seven minutes to get them on the floor in the second half. At the most important time of a basketball game where you need to start fast. You knew Auburn was going to start hitting threes and they are going to start hitting shots at some point. I mean, Sharif Cooper wasn't good offensively today, and they still beat Kentucky. I mean, this is a team that they have four wins in its mid-January. Like yeah. NCAA, I mean, I said two weeks ago this team had a chance to fight their way back to the top twenty-five, and they did. It was there. I mean, today was a winnable game, but this is a team now that Derek they have they're going to have to win the SEC tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. And who knows if that thing even gets played, given right. they're wanting to bubble up before the NCAA tournament. Just doesn't make sense to all go to Nashville, and you know, be in the same building in the same in in a different city. I just I don't know where you go from here. But back to what you were saying about you know, next year in the pieces. I'm still holding out hope that they're going to be a good team next year. But what's it do? If you don't change 
your style of play and do something. And here's the other thing too. What did he say yesterday during his press conference when he was talking about if you listen, if I if you listen to the people in the crowd, you'll be one of them or you'll be up there with them. He's listening to the people in the crowd because his press conferences are literally a middle finger to a lot of people right now. I mean, let's go back to the point that Dante Allen pretty much only got his shot once Cal got tossed from the game. Where, where is this team if that didn't well, happen? <laughs> can, I know I know you haven't listened to sources say because it's not uploaded yet, but Jack said the exact same thing. He asked me the exact same question, Derek. Is, does Cal, is Dante Allen playing right now if Cal hadn't got tossed at Mississippi State? And I don't think he is because well, they he didn't beat do Mississippi that. State if Dante well, and that play. and that goes back to too. You even question this. You put it out on Twitter talking about you know BJ and they're playing BJ. At what point does do you make decisions for the team? It plays into this. With Bruiser, a lot of people, by the way, Bruiser Flint made the decisions for the team that was best for the team that night. Right now, what you're seeing is you're seeing a lot of decisions. I'll say this: this team has this team's not great. They have a lot of holes. They're not an elite basketball team. They've lost games because of their play, but can also tell you this: they're losing games too because John Calipari is stubborn. Yep, and I and agree. that's a pro. And that I think it's fair because t- today was solely on John Calipari. That game was a loss because of him. Cal has done a lot of good for this program. I still think he can do a lot of good for this program, but it's it would be it would be wrong for me to sit here and say anything other than John Calipari cost him that game today. I, I don't, I don't know about the future, to be honest with you. But if if it is going to be that much better, he he gets paid nine million dollars, Derek, to to win basketball games at Kentucky. Right now, right now, he's not putting these kids in a situation to win basketball games because he's not playing the guys that he needs to be playing right now. I mean, it's not a coincidence they go on runs when certain guys go out of the game. And then, like you mentioned, Lance Ware doesn't play the last game, but he plays today. Like, like what? I don't understand that. <laughs> what I don't – the one and done, the whole era works because it was – basically what you have is a group of kids who don't really need to go to college in the first place. Most of the time. like Well, I, I shouldn't say that for everybody, but John Wall, Carl Anthony Towns, these guys could have gone to the league straight out of high school. They would have been fine. There have been great success stories. Tyler Hero, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, even Eric Bledsoe to some extent. I don't think anybody thought would be a one and done. He's still in the NBA. So I give credit to Cal for some of that. But this whole system works on the fact that those guys are typically your best players on the team, so there's no need. Like It's very rare you run into a situation we're running into right now with BJ where this kid is not what he was billed to be. Let's just say it like that. I mean – he was viewed as a one-and-done type, like says he wants to be one of the best players ever. I get it. Everybody who plays probably wants to at least think that, whether they say it out loud or not. And um, he might be – I don't know where I would place him on this team. He, he's not He's not their best player, even close to it probably. He looks nothing like – I mean, look, you see what Sam Vecini said? Yeah. He said that it's time to not even think about him as a draft prospect right now. And Cal, so if that's so, maybe Cal will get some feedback here from the NBA soon enough that says, hey, by the way, uh, your boy BJ is not going to get picked this year. And then maybe that will be what it takes for Cal to finally like be like, okay, well, maybe I don't have to play him 30 minutes a game anymore then if that's not the goal anymore. Um, but what I'm saying with the one and done here is it has been so successful because those kids were so talented. 
And I don't think it's a fair criticism to say Cal can't coach or anything. Like you don't have the success he had in his career. If you can't coach, like I think he can coach. Is he stubborn? Hell yes. Very stubborn. You're seeing that this year. Does he need to upgrade some things to be, I think I honestly think he's got to upgrade his offense for sure to continue to compete. I mean, Alabama looked like they were playing a different sport against them on Tuesday. And then today you fall, you followed that performance up with 59 points against Auburn. I mean, come on. You've, yeah. you've got to change what you're doing in that regard and start targeting more guys. Like, don't stop targeting just every five-star kid you have, adding pieces. Like, I like adding Jacob Toppin. How much thought went into how he fits in with this roster, though? How much fit went into how Devin Askew and B.J. Boston would play together? Like, I'm sure these are things that are discussed, but they like this roster construction is just bad. And the fact that they're ending up having to get into spots, and I hate to pick on this guy specifically, but, like, you ended up in a spot where you had to take Olivier Saar, and I think Saar's proven he's he's not of the of the caliber of big men we were used to seeing at Kentucky. Is probably the nicest way to say it. Yet Cal still treats him like he's Carl Anthony Towns, like wanting to force feed him in the paint, wanting him to take a bunch of shots. It's just outrageous. Like they're minus fifteen with him on the floor today. He, there was a loose ball off a rebound. He lost his shoe. He stopped going for the ball, which he would have gotten, yeah, and turned around and got his shot. shoe. And, and it was just like, this is just comical, some of the things that happened today. And uh, they're sitting at four and eight now, Sean. I've, I've been talking here for a while. Um, the season's toast, right? Like, there's no there's no hope like, for this season. Like, they might be able to sneak up on somebody here and win a couple of games that maybe you wouldn't think that they would. But as a whole, this season has been a, a massive I don't, failure in a lot of areas. I, mean, I don't know how you like your toast. But I like mine with butter and jam or jelly. But right now, this is just a dry piece of bread, and it's just not. There's not much hope and anything in there. And it, it's crazy how this the mood is all changed. You know, two two weeks or a week ago, we're sitting here and we're like, man, yeah. this team is this team's figuring it out. And I kept coming. I came out, I think Monday, and I was like, they're going to revert at some point. There's going to be bumps along the road. But I didn't think it would do this. And I said it too going into this game. You can't lose two in a row. You got to have a winning. You can't have losing streaks if you want to fight your way back into this. This just isn't. It's not a good basketball team right now. But also, I don't know if we've seen them at their best because I don't think that the decisions have been their best. If that makes sense too. Like I'm still. I, I just don't know, Derek. Like it doesn't all. I, I think there it doesn't are still all fall on. Though, it doesn't all fall on Cal, but it them not being their best. I think is falling on Cal. Here's another thing too. John Calipari expectations at Kentucky, we know what they are, whether Cal speaks or, or doesn't speak. But in the preseason, Cal came out and he said the only thing that could stop this team is, the, is COVID-19. And w- which plays into this. Oh, my goodness. Did did the preseason in the summer, Cal has told us multiple times, Derek, that before I say that, let me say this too. Michael Clark, I don't know if you follow him or not, Michael Paul Clark, he had a really good tweet today. And he was talking about that there's a group of fans that say fire Cal, and then there's a group of fans that literally think he can't do any wrong. And he asked, why is it not okay to be in the middle? And that's a fair point because, like, John Calipari's done a lot of good for this program. And what's happening right now is kind of – it's the outlier of what's of what's happened at Kentucky in his time there. Right. And he was talking about that he does deserve some criticism. And on the flip side, he wants to see what 21-22 is like because he's earned it. I do think that that's fair. Sure. And what I was, you know, what I was getting into. Well, I mean, I don't think any, I don't think either of us are 
no calling for John Calipari no. to, to lose no. his job. No, it, uh, you'd be crazy to say that. But to yeah. what I'm what I'm getting at about him, he said he's he said he overreacted about the COVID protocols, keeping them away from one another. We also know we saw pictures of practice; they weren't doing any contact for weeks. They had assistant coaches had gloves on and everything, like nothing was normal. Let me ask you this: Did he get a false assessment of what of how good this team could be? during the summer and going into the early fall, and then it kind of all came to a head that night that they scrimmaged in Rupp Arena, and he thought, oh, crap, this team's not going to be very good. So then he tried to backtrack and do the whole, we may lose our first six games, and they almost yeah. did. Do you That's think that true. that – but I also think that – but here's the other thing too. That comment of saying the only thing that can stop this Kentucky basketball team would be COVID-19 kind of sets up the, the heat that's kind of coming along with it. And the honest thing, I think a lot of people forgot and he said that. Because there's been so many <laughs> other storylines <laughs> that have happened. But when you say that, this is a guy who, I, like I said, he has said it 99% of the time he has been right on what he said. There's years, Shea Gildas Alexander's year, he said what? This team, you, you better be patient. This team's not going to be very good right away. And they struggled, and he was right. And then other years, he's come out and he's pumped, he's praised them, and they've been really good. He was wrong on this one. And it's kind of just... It is what it is. He's been wrong a lot this year. I do think it has reached a point that it is fair to ask out loud. And I've, I mentioned it before on the podcast. Is his main priority right now winning games or is it getting kids to the league? For a while, there was a good mix. Like they were winning and the kids were going to go. So he, it was the best of both worlds. I've said it before on here. Like I don't, the human in me says it's not a bad thing. If like, if you, it is not a bad thing that Calipari wants to take kids, maybe poor kids, and by the time five years literally leave Kentucky, multi-millionaires. Like, I don't think that's a bad thing in theory. But in a year like this, it's almost like it's the perfect storm that it's someone like Dante Allen who came along, a Kentucky kid who automatically is going to have kind of the uh, – how to say this? Like, being from Kentucky, he's automatically going to be loved by people whether he is – very good or not he's on scholarship and he and he is playing well that's the thing like he hits shots he's on a team where like his strengths are, are magnified i think on this team because the team in general is pretty bad and then it comes kind of ahead where the guy in front of him is someone who has kind of represented what the calier is all about and being a one and done type kid five-star prospect out of high school this is really the i mean you can really tell that like i think it's okay to ask like is bj boston playing because he's supposed to be in the NBA next year and maybe today is a a a break I don't know like I still think like it's not the first time BJ Boston's played bad this season I mean he's played bad most games to be quite frank so I don't know if he's going to change or not he I don't know I mean if if graduation day is what he calls it NBA draft night it's not going to be a great graduation night for, for Kentucky basketball this year because not many of these kids are going to get picked. I mean, maybe a few, like I think Jackson would. Hell, Boston still might. Who knows? Clark probably would, but like that's it. Like, Sar, if Sar came here to be a draft pick, he ain't going to be one. Um, none of these other freshmen are going to go. Mance is not an NBA player. Like, if his goal is just to get kids to the league, like you could even start to say he's starting to kind of fail in that regard because he didn't have a lottery pick this past year, and that was a streak that had been broken. So, like, it's kind of dwindling from what it was before. Do you think that that's um, added some pressure to it as well? I don't know. I hadn't really thought of it that way. Um, and, again, like, 
Yeah, they didn't have a they didn't have a lottery pick, but in well, terms of NBA success, like Maxie and Quickly are doing very well already. And, so that's and next not year's good. class, next year's class when you look at it, like right now, doesn't have like guys. Maybe Collins, right? Assume. Maybe if yeah. it works out, but yeah, but I mean Isaiah Jackson's not going anywhere playing eleven minutes. I mean, like <laughs> like it's not even putting anybody in position to do anything, which comes back to the whole thing that I just feel like that Cal. The guys have struggled, yes, and they've lost games because of they're they're just not very good. They're not elite, but I do think that Cal's failing them at times too. And today was a prime example. I think this by far was one of the worst games he's ever coached at Kentucky. Was today, uh, nothing so. made sense. The rotations, the lineups. Like I said, it was kind of almost like I'm going to do this because you're asking me to do something else. And it, that's that that's not that's not good. That's not a recipe for success. It's a recipe for disaster. The thing is. And we're media, you know, we're not sitting here rah, rah, rah fans of the program. We were at one point, but that's not our job. I mean, our job is to critique and to tell it how it is and to be honest about things. And my dog is probably barking because he's even saying that John Calipari and this team's not very good right now. But what it comes down to is he's got to put these kids in the best situation to be successful, and I don't think he's doing that right now. I don't either. I don't either, and there's still time to – Maybe not to reach any of the big goals that they had hoped for, but there's still time to to change my opinion, I guess, to where I'm saying that I'm not quite sure how they're going to be next year. And while I say that, mainly, I mean, I think a lot of Cal's success offensively has really been based on elite guards who can create their own. I mean, when you got a guy like De'Aaron Fox, like he can make any offense look really good because most guys in college aren't going to be able to stay in front of him one-on-one. Like, I think a big problem, and I think Askew is an okay player, I think he could be a really good college player. He can't beat anybody off the dribble, though. That's not really his game. Like, Mintz is kind of the same way. Like, you don't have anyone that just gets easy buckets for other people on this team. Unless Nolan Hickman is that, I could see a lot of the same issues next year, um, unless things change offensively. So, I still think you're going to have a team next season that Shubway should help in terms of, I mean, being a five. I mean, you have the big men are pretty much already in place, most likely. So like, I think the talent is still fine. It's just going to depend on how he meshes it all together and, and does he make other things a priority. Like at this point, it's hard for me to say that it will be much different on offense. Like maybe they will have personnel in place. Maybe some of these new guys will help like do what Cal wants to do. But um, well, I'm, I, I think we have to go to this offseason depending on how the season finishes and take a wait-and-see approach next year. I think I'm okay. Point. Yeah, like, I think I'm okay. Like if they get most of the guys back, I'm fine with people – being excited for next year. I'm not going to come on here and try to put a put a damper on anybody's no, hopes for next season. But at the same reasonable. time, if you're going to be – yeah, if you're going to be on the other side and say, well, I mean, it's a lot of the same dudes and this team was bad last year. Like, let's wait and see how it goes first. I'm okay with that opinion too. Yeah, reason I won't switch is because I've been the guy that's kind of been driving this train home that they're going to have a lot of guys come back next year with experience and it's going to be different. I mean, I, I'm still holding on to that because I think that that will, will happen. But – I need Yeah, I need to make that clear. Like – if they get seven guys back this year, like no, I don't think they're going to start four and eight next year. But at Kentucky, you're talking about kind of national title ish expectations every year. I'm not so sure that that group would be a national title favorite well, during the season. And you know, we've been talking about how bizarre Cal's rotations have been and who's been playing, who's not been playing. I'm to the point it wouldn't surprise me if Oscar Shubway runs out of the tunnel and checks into the UK <laughs> basketball game this year. That's how little I think that Cal has any consistency with his rotation. Just it just blows my mind. And I said this on sources say, and we were you know we were talking about here's here's B.J. Boston who 
just he keeps getting this leash and he keeps getting this leash and I'm I'm beginning to wonder if it ever goes away. I mean, we're 12 games in Maybe not. and they're four and eight. And if he's coming back next year, what if what if BJ's already told Cal, hey, I'm coming back next year? Then is that why he's forcing it? Is to try to get him to play? Because does it change how you view it? But still, at the same time, you got to make the best decision for this team. Cameron Fletcher got sent home a week because his priorities weren't in order. What time do we send John Calipari home for a week to get his in order? Yeah, you know he was pouting <laughs> about playing time. Cameron was, and then you know he he got sent home for it. But then other guys can't lose playing time no matter how they're playing because it might not be good for their self-esteem. And I don't try to be like, I know I said early in this podcast, like someone's feelings are getting hurt. I try not, not to like use things like that, but that's basically what he was saying. He said, you can't, what he say? You can't rip anyone. Can't take anyone's heart away. I think is the exact yeah. thing. You can't take anyone's heart away. I mean, it's basketball, John. Like I think BJ's a smart enough kid. Like he'll understand if he's not getting to play as much. Like he's not. I, I guarantee BJ Boston has not lived up to his own expectations. No. Guarantee. Ask, ask Ask Sharif Cooper today if that was who if that was the BJ Boston yeah. he expected to see going into the season. Because that's a guy who's his AAU teammate. And I watched those two along. Kyle Tucker and Ben Roberts will tell you the exact same thing that I'm telling you. The day that we were standing there in Cartersville watching those two on the same team. All three of us were there going, just that, that kid, oh my goodness, that kid is really good. And that's before he committed to Kentucky. I thought, and I'm sorry. Did that team ever lose, by the way? Cooper and Boston seems like one hell of an AAU backcourt. Gosh, they were so good. But I, I will tell you this, too, to the people that are listening. I'm sorry, because I thought that B.J. Boston was going to be a star in game one. I thought it, I said it in game six. I picked six. this team to win the Final Four. God almighty. 2020 was bad for my predictions, by the way. Besides a little one. Well, according to Cal, they can still make a run. He said it. And he said it without winning the SEC tournament. Like, he is talking like regular season, make (laughs) a run and get into the NCAA tournament. I don't know what he's thinking about because (laughs) I don't know. Now, a Billy Gillespie team. I suppose anything is possible. A Billy Gillespie team went 12 and 4 in SEC play and made the NCAA tournament as like an 11 seed. So, I mean, maybe, but. I just don't know. Like you're going to have to beat. I mean, you're going to have to beat Tennessee a couple of times. You're going to have to. Texas. What else are you going to do? You're going to, have to, you're going to go to Alabama and win. You're going to, have to beat Texas. Look, look at the schedule that's coming up. They're four and eight. They play. At What's Georgia. more likely that they have a winning record, or sorry, that they make the NCAA tournament, or they have a winning record? Like, like neither. They've not had a losing season since 1989. But Ken Palm's project. Ken Palm's projecting them to be five games the under next, five hundred. Not like next, barely, just. Having it like ten and fifteen is their projection. The next four games determine whether or not they get above five hundred this year. If they lose one of these next two to Georgia or LSU, they're not yeah. finishing with a winning record. They need both of them, then they need to split one of the Alabama Texas games. I mean, you're to a point that you can't even talk about splitting. You got to win all of them just to get into. I mean, they're not. I mean, there was a T-shirt floating around that was talking about NIT. You got to have a winning record to get into that thing. Like even the NIT yeah, yeah. has some credibility to it that you got to have a good basketball team. <laughs> To get into it, I mean, it's, I mean, it's not like that's a team just chock full of bad basketball teams. I mean, Kentucky no, is a it, Kentucky's a CBI team right now. Don't you have to have a winning record for that too? I don't know. I think there was a I'm team sure. one year. I mean, at some point they're going to run out of teams with winning records. You'd think Kentucky fifty four. So like as of now, I would say Kentucky season will end in Mississippi on March second against Ole Miss, unless unless there's an SEC tournament, of course, which as of now kind of seems like it's well up for debate. So I just, I just can't believe we're to this point. And to the listeners, I don't think we're just as shocked as you all are. I mean, who thought this was coming? 
Sean, say, save the Kentucky basketball season. What what has to happen to save the season? Or is it restart? That? Move forward to, to, to August and say you're going to try oh, again because next I, year. I just don't know. I just I don't know if anything saves <laughs> this one right now. And I don't. And I'm trying. I'm I'm sorry that I'm living on this whole in a moment thing, but kind of what Derek, we felt. We had our. We both said after the Louisville game, this team wasn't making the NCAA tournament. And then they came out and they won three straight. Can I say this, though? Even though that they won three straight, now they've lost two, I have more concerns about them right now after this week than I had about them after they went one and six to start the year. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand that. If that makes any sense at all. Just I, 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 because yeah. I just think that you have a coach. I just think you have a coach right now in Cal who he's trying to push all buttons, but. I don't know. Like it just it Cal doesn't make never, sense to me. I know he got fired in the NBA, and it was it was the Nets. Like I'm sure that was. I know it's a big media market up there. People people probably care about the Nets, but like in terms of college, has he had bad seasons before? Yeah, but that was at UMass where nobody cared. Memphis, they might. I think Memphis has a, has a pretty good basketball fan base, but it was early in his career. I think they understood the situation he took over. He has never had a situation like this, uh, where his his team has been this bad, this at this point in his career, like in terms of this is his 12th year, right? At Kentucky. And he's had it, he's had it really good. And he's won a lot of games. It's been a really good relationship for the most part. Could fans have wanted more titles? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Well, they wanted more final fours with the talent they've had. Yeah. But overall, before he ever started this season, like his, his tenure, like they were the team of the 2010s, right? Like everybody agreed. Like they were the program of the last decade. But now he's at a point where I, I agree with you, like what you're saying about like the press conferences. Like, I do think he is kind of sticking a middle finger to some people. <laughs> the moderate, like talking about shooting threes. Like, I think he's saying, okay, I heard what y'all are saying about us only taking so and so threes in Alabama shoots 30 a game. Like, well, we don't play that way. It's not how we're built. Well, like Cal, like Nate Oates built his team that way. Like, that's, that's where I get so confused on Cal. And it's the same deal every year where he used to talk about how young they were. Like, Cal, you build your team that way. Like, you can't use that as an excuse whenever you choose it for it to be that way. So when you choose for your roster to just be kind of, uh, you know, a bunch of good athletes thrown together, and then you say, oh, well, I'll be able to figure it out because I always figure it out. And then this year, well, you didn't figure it out, and you're still not figuring it out. So where do you go from here? When do we say Justin Powell didn't play in this game today? Like well, when, well, that's another thing. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say we overlooked it on our Alabama podcast, but shit, dude, they had three guys in their starting lineup that weren't even playing by the end of the game, and they still beat Kentucky by twenty. I guess we did overlook it because I don't think we even addressed it because everything else was so bad. Maybe we did mention it in passing, but you know, here, here's the thing too that Cal had to sit there yesterday and answer questions about Justin Powell. And, you know, whether, you know, and Cal had to come out and say he's a good player and everything, and you can't tell me that that's a kid. And I'm not getting into this whole thing about kids being at Kentucky and everything, but Justin Powell would have played over some guys, should have played over some guys on this team oh, if he were on say, this roster. Well, we'll see. He we'll wouldn't see. have, but he should yeah. have if he'd have been on this roster. But, I mean, you're, you're at a turning point right now, right? I mean, you have to be. It's either you – you adapt, you change, or you continue down this trend and you continue to spiral out of control. Because right now, look, De'Aaron Fox, the quote came out this week and stuff, and he was talking, you know, that John Calipari could care less about winning college basketball games, but when you recruit the best of the best, you're going to win 30 games, so it kind of takes care of itself. It's not saying that John Calipari doesn't care about winning. It's just 
it ha- it goes hand in hand. Right. This team does not have an elite basketball player on it right now. And here's not the other side one. of that. If you don't have elite level talent, you know what you got to do to win? You got to right. execute. And this team does not yeah. execute on on either end. They don't rebound at a high clip, at a high rate. That's another thing too. They get destroyed on the boards a lot of times. Offensive glass. Didn't I mention that to you last week at Alabama or against Florida, even though they won? I was like, are you yeah. concerned at all about the rebounding? Because they didn't do a great job. On and the then boards. turnovers tonight. But you look at the bench. The bench had 30 of the 59 points. It's time to play those guys more. Like, you got to. Like, you got to play those guys more. If you want – they're four and eight. Could you salvage the season? Yeah, but you better do it soon. It better right. start Wednesday night, and you oh, better no, th- go th- on a this run. Was, this was absolutely a game that if you looked at in terms of salvaging a season, like you you would have marked this down as a, as a, a game that they needed to win. I mean, Ken, I think they were in the eighties or seventies on Ken Palm Auburn. That is, and I know they're a different team now with Cooper, and like they might turn out to be. I think Rothstein had him like as a preseason top five team next year if Cooper comes back to school. So Ken, he's obviously may, buying high on their future. You may give you some positives before we wrap up, since it's all been just negative. Yeah, that's that's fine. Devin Askew down the stretch. I thought he made some really good plays. He did. Uh, also, first thir- crazy stat line, first 13 minutes of the game. Zero. <laughs> literally did not have a stat in his first 13 minutes. He played 13 minutes, no shots, no rebounds, no assists, nothing, no turnovers. But you're right, he did. He uh, put his head down, got to the rim a few times, played some good defense. Like he's he's fine. Like I don't think Dyke said it on the pod or on the, on the broadcast. Like he's not one of their bigger. I don't think we've really mentioned him at all outside of the fact that I said he can't really blow by anybody, which is true. He can't. Um, but you're right. Go ahead. Throw, throw some more positives out there. Leave people feeling okay. Jacob Toppin. He, he, like he looks Toppin. like he. Uh, I said it a few weeks ago. I think he's just a very important piece to this program. Dante Allen's still knocking down shots. Uh, there, there's a. It's hard to find a lot of positives, so I guess I'll go with the other one. They played 12 games, which means you're closer to the thing. This thing being over than it is to still having a ton to go. Because I think we're to the point, Derek, that if you told a lot of Kentucky fans tomorrow that they can just kind of just turn it off and turn it back on next October, I think a lot of people would do it right now. I think so too. People aren't finding much joy in it, and I think this is a time where people need joy, and they're not finding it right now. What? But which also leads me into. I'm seeing true fans get frustrated. People that have stuck through them, stuck with them through thick and thin, are frustrated. And I want people to know it's okay to be frustrated. Like, what you're seeing right now should not be happening at the University of Kentucky. It should not be happening. No excuse for it. Right. I mean, there are plenty of of programs right now. Every program has dealt with COVID-19 in this weird year. So I'm not going to use it as an excuse for why they're 4-8. Because it's not affecting, I mean, your blue blood programs are winning basketball games. I mean, yeah, Duke and stuff, but at the same time, like teams are winning basketball games. I mean, well, Texas teams that Tech, aren't blue bloods. I mean, look like look at Alabama, what they're doing to this league right now. Yeah, and year two of a coach, so it's not like it's a coach who's been there for five years and everybody knows the deal. Like he has a young team, he's a young coach, and they are just lighting everybody up that they play right now. And this is a Kentucky basketball team that hasn't had any COVID problems this season. Nobody's been. Everybody's been on that bench. It's yeah. tough. Which tells. I mean, that's the thing. Like they've been able to practice. They've been able to get some a developer rhythm. Uh, but right now, they better turn it on if they want to salvage this season at all. It has to start this week. If they lose one of these two, Derek, it's done. I I, I will tell you for sure that it's done. Yep. 
Um, I don't think we were. I think that was good. I don't know if there's much more to add on. So you got well, something? There, I do have something. It's the Butcher's Pub. Two <laughs> locations: one in Pineville, Kentucky; one in Williamsburg, Kentucky. Can I? Can I be honest with you, Derek? That's that's my happy place. I mean, I just the Butcher's Pub. That's the happiness around this show right now. All the negativity, right in the heart of that thing, is just a juicy, tender buffalo chicken sandwich that the Butcher's Pub. The only place that can serve that thing up. Uh, they got two locations, like I said, one in Pineville, one in Williamsburg. You can visit thebutcherspub.com. You can check out the Butcher's Pub Pineville and the Butcher's Pub Williamsburg Facebook pages for hours, uh, specials, everything else that's going on at the Butcher's Pub. You can find it all there. Uh, just want to give a thank you and a shout out to them. Also want to give a thank you and a shout out to all of you listeners who are leaving positive reviews. Uh, we're charting well inside the top 115, 100 every single week on this podcast, Eric. I know uh, we climbed as high, I think, as 54 last week, and I think we're back inside the top 100 right now. Uh, been getting some good reviews from where I've been going on Sources Say. I know some of you have found Kentucky Daily from listening to, to me on Sources Say, and we're glad that you're here, and we hope that you stick with us because uh, there, there's gonna there's better times ahead for Kentucky basketball program at some point in this podcast. Well, spring football starting soon too. That's true. And so the there, volleyball team, which is like legitimately one of the best teams in the country, starts again soon, right? Yeah, they do. They got morning. their spring schedule coming up, so we'll uh, we'll find plenty of positives to talk about. But right now, we had to hammer home all the negatives that happened in Auburn today. I was supposed to be there today, but I ended up not getting to make the trip. Right now, I don't regret it. <laughs> I'm glad I'm sitting here. <laughs> I'm glad I'm sitting here in my little office uh, on Kentucky Daily. But Derek will. We'll dive into all this this week. We know it won't be a quiet Sunday. We know that something's going to happen. Somebody's going to say something, either from the outside. There's going to be some criticism. There'll be a storyline to talk about, I'm, I'm sure, by Monday. And we will dive into it then. But this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time. Pen fed, that's a fact. I have pen fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's Power Cash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit penfed.org slash powercash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.